Welcome to the Bradenville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We're located at 285 Church Street in Bradenville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with worship to follow at 11 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now, please enjoy our lesson. We're going to continue our study of the red letters of the Bible with a, a passage that I hope we find very encouraging. I, 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 the more that you study the words of Jesus, the more encouragement that you get out of them. And remember, the reason we're studying these red letters is because we want to know Jesus better. We want to love Him more and we want to obey Him more. And today's lesson is a, a lesson about getting to know Jesus because He came down here to get to know us. Anybody have any trials this week, any temptations, any struggles with Satan that you went through? That's good. I don't see a whole lot of responses to that. Maybe we had a good week. Joe did. And so we're gonna, I'm going to preach to Joe primarily this morning. You do every Sunday. Every Sunday. Um, sometimes we feel like, maybe, hopefully at times you feel like that God's put a hedge around you, right? That he's like Job has, has hedged you in and, and protected you from the temptations of Satan. You ever felt that sometimes? Like everything's going right for you? But we don't always feel that way. Sometimes we feel like uh, Satan is there at every turn. That every, every minute of our day, Satan is there trying to tempt us to do evil. And, and we remember from passages like James, where James tells us that let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, because God can't be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. But we're all tempted by our own evil desires, right? When evil desire conceives, it brings forth sin. When sin is, is fully grown, it brings forth death. And so we understand that temptation is a, is a, is a process that develops within us, but it, it comes, from, comes from Satan. It comes from a temptation that Satan puts before us. And what we're going to learn today in our red letter study is that Jesus is going to give us some lessons about how to overcome temptation. So I want you to, if you've got your Bibles open to, to Luke, I want you to keep your finger there. And I want to go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. And I want us just to, this is going to be kind of our, our theme passage to help us with our red letter study today. He, Hebrews chapter 4 where the Hebrew writer gives us some great encouragement. You ever feel like you have the blessing of God to be able to approach His throne? Just to walk right into the throne room of God and to, to, to stand at His feet and lay your cares and concerns at His feet? I don't know that we always visualize this, but I want you to listen to what the passage says here. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, remember, what was the role of the high priest? He's an intercessor between man and God, right? The high priest of the Old Testament went into the holiest of holies once a year to atone for the sins of himself and for the sins of the people. And he was an intercessor between himself and God. But the writer here says that we have a great high priest. He's not gone into this tabernacle. He's gone into the throne room of God, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold tight there. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but listen to what he says here, but was in all points tempted as we are. That's the key I want us to focus in on today. Jesus 
was tempted in every way that you've been tempted. So if I can learn from Jesus, you think it would help me to overcome Satan's temptation? You think it would help me in times of trial to be able to be strong and courageous because Jesus has been through it. You might say he's blazed the trail. He's gone down that path before. He's going to show us how to overcome Satan. But he did it without sin. Now, I know I can't do that, right? I've already sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I will continue in the future at times to sin. But the goal is to follow the trail of Jesus. Now, verse 16, Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If Jesus can sympathize with us and he, if he's blazed the trail, then he set a path that leads us to the throne of God. And the Bible says that we can come boldly to it. I want to put some boldness in us today and give us the courage and strength to approach the throne of God, the throne of grace and mercy with boldness. And here's how we do it. Jesus is going to give us He's going to give us the recipe for this. And so, the first thing we need to see in looking at the, the temptation of Jesus is Jesus is going to give us three Ps. The first thing He's going to give us is perspective. We've got to have a perspective on temptation. He's going to give us power, and He's going to give us some proof. And we're going to begin by looking at the perspective. Uh, Again, hold your fingers on, on Luke because we will be primarily in Luke. But I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter 4. Because Matthew, in telling the story of Jesus' temptation, he adds a point here that I, I don't want us to miss. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It said, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to notice there that the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why would that be the case? Why would Jesus, why would the Spirit lead the Son of God into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil? Here's the, here's the answer. Because he had to learn obedience to the Father's will. Philippians chapter 2 speaks about the idea that we're to have the mind of Jesus because he was in the form of God. It was not robbery for him to be equal with God, but he had to come in the likeness of man. He had to come in the fashion of man. He had to come in the same body that you and I had. And in doing that, he had to humble himself even unto death. I think sometimes we may forget this about Jesus, but he had to submit himself to the Father's will. And he had to learn obedience. Hebrews chapter 5 tells us, a, tells us something similar. He says, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Why did the Spirit lead Jesus out to the wilderness? To teach him. To teach him a lesson. To teach him to trust and obey the Father's will. And if that didn't get the hackles up on the back of your neck, if that didn't get your goosebumps up, I don't know what does. Because now we see the Son of God being taught. Can I be taught? Hope so. Do I need to be taught? Yes, definitely. Jesus is going down a path that you and I need to go down. And it's to learn to trust and obey. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? 
Trust and obey. That's the song of faith. That's the song of righteousness. And Jesus is pursuing God's righteousness. And so the first thing we understand here is lesson number one that we learn from the temptation of Jesus, God does not lead us away from trials. In fact, He may lead us to the trial. He may take us there. And why would He do that? So we can learn trust and obedience. You don't have to turn over there, but I want to read to you a couple passages that speak to this from... from, um, First Peter, that I think are very interesting. Peter deals a lot with trial and temptation, and he makes the point that this is normal for the Christian. You ever think about the trials and the temptations that come on you as being normal? That God expects that to happen of us? Listen to what he says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. Think back to our last, this last week. Were any of us grieved by various trials? Did you have temptation come on you? Were you tempted to say something you shouldn't say? Or to do something you shouldn't do? Or were you tempted to not do something good that you need to do? Peter says that's common. We're all experiencing that. We're all going to be grieved by these various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what trials and temptations are doing? They're burning the dross off. They're burning off the chaff. Whichever You want to talk about wheat, we can talk about wheat and chaff. If you want to talk about silver or gold, we can talk about the, the other things that are in it. But whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, temptations help burn off the unuseful to make us more useful. They help burn off the ungenuineness of our faith to make faith genuine in us. Trust and obedience. You move forward a little bit farther into, into 1 Peter. And in chapter 4, he, he tells us something similar here. He says, uh, Beloved, this is verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing is happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed... You may also be um, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And so, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We need to, we need to wrap our mind around the fact that God God is may at times lead us into trials. He may take us into places where our faith is going to be tried and tested. And the the point is that we can learn to trust and obey Him. Notice in Luke chapter 4, we'll go back to Luke now, and we're going to be here for the bulk of the lesson. Luke uh, records that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, a lot of times whenever I think about the temptation of Jesus, I think about it from this perspective. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He's fasting there for 40 days, and then at the end of the 40 days, Satan comes to him. But you notice what Luke says here? He says he was there for 40 days being tempted by the devil. This isn't just a 40-day 40, 40 stretch of time where Jesus is preparing for the temptation and then Satan shows up. Jesus, throughout this period, is being tempted. And it could be that some of these temptations are taking place on multiple occasions. You ever think why he didn't eat for 40 days? It could be that that temptation happened every day. The stone's there in front of him. 
Satan says, you know what, just make, you know, you could fix this problem today. This has only been three days in, but I know you're getting hungry. You could fix this problem today. Just turn that stone into bread. It's only been 13 days. I know you're hungry now. Turn that stone into bread. It's been 29 days, Jesus. Are you ready? Just turn the stone into bread. This is an extended period of time that Satan here is working on Jesus. You ever felt like that before? Satan's just there every day, every hour, every minute at the door waiting. Jesus has been there. He's been through these trials before too. But the second thing we, under, we learn from this is God will not let His Son and He won't let us be tempted beyond what we can survive, what we can sustain, what we can overcome. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says that uh, it tells us there that we're not going to be tempted beyond what we can overcome. Uh, not, not Galatians, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. That means that everybody's experienced these temptations before, right? It's not unusual the things we're going through. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You're never going to be tempted more than what you can bear it. Does that give us hope? Does that give us encouragement? You think about the times that you failed in the past. And sometimes we become afraid that past failure is an indication of future failure, right? This passage says that's not true. Because God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can can bear up under. Praise God for that. So lesson number one, God's not going to lead us away from trials. Even though this passage says that God can make a way of escape, God does not, God does not create escape artists. He creates overcomers. And we can overcome any trial that comes before us. Jesus is going to teach us that. Because he's in the wilderness for 40 days going through this. And so the first thing we have to understand is that Jesus gives us a perspective on trials and temptations. Number one, they're going to happen. Number two, God's going to be with us. God's faithful to help us to overcome them. And so with that perspective now, let's get into the meat of the, of the lesson here, which is the power that God gives us and that Jesus had to overcome temptation. Satan comes to Jesus with three basic areas of temptation. John says in his, in his first epistle, he says, we're all tempted in three basic areas. We're tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And so those three areas, that's the areas, if, if you go back to the garden, you remember when Satan tempted Eve with the fruit, you remember she looked at it and she saw that it was good to eat. That's the lust of the flesh, right? Mm, that, that looks like something I'd like to eat. That it was pleasant to the eye. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. And that it had the ability 
to make one wise. Pride of life, right? Man's been tempted that same way all throughout, his, all throughout history. And Jesus is going to be tempted that same way. You remember the first thing that, that Satan does is Satan tempts him with the, the stone. Turn the stone into bread. What is that? Well, lust of the flesh, right? You want to eat? Eat. You have the ability to feed yourself, Jesus. Just do it. Oh, by the way, do it to prove you're the Son of God. Now we've hit dangerous territory, right? Now we're starting to get into a pride of life issue as well. To prove to Satan who Jesus is. He tempts him with... uh, he tempts him with great glory. He takes him up on a high mountain and he shows him all the, the glories of the world. And he says something interesting here. Verse 6 says, All this authority I will give you and their, uh, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. I think that's interesting there. little insight into Satan here. Satan has some authority. God has granted him a measure of authority in that he can come to us and tempt us. And from that perspective, it comes, that authority has been given him by God. But I also believe Satan is lying a little bit here in that the world's not his to give. He may have some power. He may have some ability to come to us and tempt us. But Satan's not above lying either. And saying, you know, I'll give you the whole world if you'll worship me. Oh, by the way, it's not mine to give. I lied about that little part right there. You think Satan lies about sin? That's why when you watch those commercials that show sinful, sinful acts, they don't show the, the consequences of sin. Satan doesn't like to promote the consequence of sin. But he tempts Jesus in this area and then he takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple the highest point of the temple and he says you know just jump off here if you want to prove that you're the son of God jump off here because you know what the Bible says you ever heard anybody do that before the Bible says that God's going to give his angels charge over you and they're going to catch you up lest you dash your foot against stone the Bible says you're not gonna, God's not going to let you be damaged in this, in this proof here and so Satan tempts Jesus in the same way that, that Satan's going to tempt us. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says. And I'm not even going to read the whole answers yet. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Verse 4. Jesus answered him saying, It is written. Verse 8. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Go to verse uh, 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said... And if you go over to Mark to Matthew, even in that passage, he says, and it is written there. What's Jesus doing here? He's revealing to us the power that God gives to overcome the temptation of Satan. You notice what Jesus doesn't say? He doesn't say, I believe. He doesn't say, I wish. He doesn't doesn't argue his points with Satan. And and let's be very clear. This is the Son of God, right? This is Word in the flesh. And so from that perspective, we might think, well, he has the authority to say whatever he wants to say. 
But I want you to notice what Jesus does here because it's an example for us. Jesus is paving a trail that we can follow. I can't follow Jesus' example when he, when he speaks as his own authority as the Son of God. I can't do that. But if I follow the trail that Jesus blazes here in saying it is written, I can do that, right? Jesus went back to the Word of God that had been written down for mankind, and he uses that to show that it's adequate to address the temptations of life. And so we learn from Jesus this lesson here that God's Word has the power to overcome Satan. How do we approach the throne of grace? How do we ask God's help in time of need? Well, we can pray to Him, but we also have His Word to study. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your Word have I written in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, Jesus here is going to give us an example of how to use the word. First off, notice in verse 4. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The first thing we have to understand if we want to overcome Satan's temptations is we have to feed on the word of God. It's not coincidental. It's not happenstance, and it's not by accident that every week we ask how many daily Bible readers we have. You want to overcome Satan's temptation, you've got to be in the Word. If I want to overcome Satan's temptation, I've got to write God's Word into my heart. Jesus here makes the point that we don't just live by bread alone. That's not, not the only nourishment that we need to overcome the battles and the trials and the temptations that happen in this life. We have to feed ourselves spiritually. We have to nourish ourselves spiritually. We have to take God's Word and we have to write it into our hearts so that it's a part of us so that when Satan comes you notice what Jesus again I, I, you notice what Jesus didn't do he didn't have to go find the scroll and roll it out there and say oh um, um, wait, wait, um, right here here's what it says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God you know how he knew that he'd been taught that from a young age I'm confident that Mary and Joseph had read him the scriptures from a young age and he knew those words. And so first thing we see is that we nourish ourselves on the word of God. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Be diligent to show yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we want to be diligent to be approved by God and to overcome Satan's temptation, then we have to rightly divide it. We have to be able to study God's Word and to, uh, to, to rightly divide it to ourselves. Next thing we see in, in verse 8, Jesus is going to teach us that we have to sanctify God in our hearts. He says it this way, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you, <clears throat> shall you serve. What does that mean? I'm going to worship God. Now that's not just showing up here on Sunday morning and singing some songs and taking the Lord's Supper, listening to the sermon, giving of our means and praying and going home. Where's God in your heart? Where's God in my heart? Is He in first place? Is He the one that I'm going to worship in every aspect of my life? Am I going to submit myself to Him? Because if that's the case, then Satan has no hold on me. I'm not going to give in to temptation if I'm going to put God first in my heart. 
what do we do sometimes? Anybody, anybody here hold back a little bit of your heart for yourself? Got just a little bit of your heart that you keep for yourself? That's my part. I'm not going to give that to God because I, I like that area. I got uh, kind of, this is a completely different topic. My granddad, whenever I was young, he, uh, he used to joke about, he said, always like, he said I, I like to keep a little poison ivy so I got something to scratch. Somebody do that with their heart. You keep, you keep some stony areas over here in your heart. You keep some thorny areas in your heart. Maybe even you keep a little bit of wayside soil in your heart because you kind of like that area. You know what? I, I kind of like to play around in that area of sin. That's not sanctifying God in our hearts. That's not totally giving ourselves over to the service and the worship of God. But in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, we learn that we are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And then by doing that, we're ready to give a defense. We're ready to give an account to anyone who asks us the hope that's in us with meekness and fear. We've got to nourish ourselves on God's word. We've got to sanctify God in our heart. And then we go to verse 10. Jesus says, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Anybody ever thought of it this from this perspective? If I've sanctified God in my heart, if I am nourished on God's word, when Satan comes to tempt me, he in essence is trying to tempt God, right? He's trying to draw me away from God. And, and if I'm a child of God, he's trying to tear me apart from God. And Satan, God, Jesus says, you don't do that. It's not that Satan can't do it. It's that Satan has no power to do it. He has no ability to do it. He has no strength to do it. He has no authority to do it. And so we see here in the, in the words of Jesus that we have the ability to overcome, the power to overcome, invested in God's Word if we'll study it and write it into our hearts and, and, and apply it and live it out. When Satan comes and he wants to tempt us, I don't know what you're tempted with. So I'm just going to... Maybe it's stealing. I hope nobody in here is tempted to steal, but maybe it is stealing. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Find two or three verses that deal with stealing. Let him who stole steal no more. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But let him work with his hands that he may be able to provide for himself and for the needs of others. Put that into your heart. Write that into your heart. Next time that temptation comes to steal... Say that verse. It is written, let him who stole steal no more. Maybe there's another sin that you're struggling with. Find some passages to write into your heart to help you overcome. Do what Jesus did. Use the word of God as the power to overcome the temptation. Because what we see here is God's word is integral to our to our armor in combating the, the fiery darts of Satan. You're familiar with this passage over in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul talks about the whole armor of God. And he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's what Satan is doing. He's trying to, by cunning, he's trying to deceive you and to draw you away from God. And Paul uses the word wiles here, or the Greek word here that we would say is the equivalent of wiles. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then he goes through and he describes the whole armor. And I want you to understand that there are aspects of every one of these pieces of armor that has to do with the word of God. He talks about the belt of truth. What is truth? Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. He talks about shotting our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Where are you going to learn the gospel of peace but the word of God? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the shield of faith. Every element of the armor of God has the Word of God bound up in it. God's given us the power to overcome temptation if we're willing to use it. And that's the challenge. You notice here, when Jesus answered Satan with, It is written, you know Satan had no rebuttal. But, 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 but. He didn't come back with any other, any other answers. There's no answer. Satan was done when Jesus applied the power of God's word to the problem. Satan's done. There's no temptation there. It's gone. And in fact here, this leads to the last, the last P is the proof. Look at verse, uh, in Luke chapter 4, look at verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. You ever had to, you ever been through temptation? And you, granted, with our physical eyes, we can't see this, but you ever, have you ever just known the feeling that the temptation's done? You've won. You've defeated Satan. He's gone. The Bible tells us that Satan will flee from us, resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what Satan did here. And there's, there's proof in this. It doesn't, it doesn't have to just be a feeling. It doesn't have, but there's, there's confirmation in this. Listen to what, uh, listen to what uh, the book of Romans says. The fact that Satan's temptation will not last forever. And that there is great hope that comes from the, the, uh, the blessing. I, I say it this way. This sounds kind of strange. But the blessing of temptations and the blessing of trials. Romans chapter 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. I'll just tell you folks, this is a passage I still wrestle with today. I don't know that I've got my mind completely wrapped around this passage. So if you struggle with it, you're in the same, you're in, you got somebody else in the boat with you. For we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience, endurance, right? Or perseverance, depending on the version you're reading from. And perseverance produces character, right? And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When we get to the point where we can glory in tribulation, we can know that we've overcome Satan. When we get to the point where we have hope, when we've gone through the trial and hopes come to us, we can know Satan's fleed from us. When I was a kid, it's kind of a weird analogy, but when I was a kid, 
whenever I get the stomach flu, I'll tell you, I knew I was done with the stomach flu because I got the craving Captain D's. I don't know why, but you think about how greasy Captain D's is, and you would not want to eat that when you got the stomach flu, but I knew as soon as I was done with the stomach flu because I got the craving it. You know what a good sign of overcoming temptation is? Hope. When you see it, when you see a, the sun on the horizon, when you understand that, there, that, that you survived the storm, no, that's proof that you've overcome the temptation. You've won the battle. And that's not the only passage that speaks to that. Over in James, James gives us a great, a great hope related to the overcoming of temptation. He says in uh, James chapter 1, in verse 12, <clears throat> Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the, God, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you can remember that overcoming temptation brings a crown, there's a great hope that comes with that. Peter talks a little bit about this as well in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> He says in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the, in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us by his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Those words are great blessings when you come through temptation. May He perfect you. May He establish you. May He strengthen you. May He settle you. You think Jesus was settled when He came through that temptation? You think He knew that He had done the Father's will? I believe He did. And he blazed the trail for us so that we can know what temptation lo looks like, what it feels like, and how we can overcome it. He's given us perspective. He's given us power. Now, you notice here, the last lesson we want to learn is that Satan doesn't go away. As long as we live, Satan's always going to be looking to come back. And so Luke tells us that Satan departed from him for an opportune time. Satan's going to be back. <laughs> uh, barring your death or the return of Jesus... Satan is always going to be looking to come back and knock on your door. We just got to remember that. But if we can keep a perspective on trials, if we can keep the power of God written into our hearts so that we can, we can overcome in the day of trial, and we can remember that Satan's trials won't last forever. There's going to be a window of time when, when the clouds are going to open up and the sun's going to shine. It happened in the life of the, of the patriarchs. You think about the book of Job. And how it's a book of hope. So Job goes through terrible trials, but there's great hope at the end. Think about the story of Joseph, how he goes through these tremendous trials, but there's hope at the end. These are the stories that, that give us hope. And so we remember that we grow stronger by going through these trials.
Hebrews chapter 12. Follows Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith hall of fame, right? That gives examples. By faith, these men did. This woman did. They trusted and they obeyed. And so he says in Hebrews chapter 12, seeing then that we are compassed about or surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every the sin and every weight that so easily besets us. Take that temptation, that trial, you set it off to the side, and you run with endurance the race that is set before you. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, you keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What that means is Jesus blazed the trail for you and me. And we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. But to do that, we've got to set sin aside. We've got to set aside these temptations that slow us down. And we've got to run with endurance. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Jesus gives us an example here in his temptations of how we do that. We understand where temptation comes from. We understand that God is not going to, God's not going to remove us from the trial, but he's going to use it to prove out the genuineness of our faith. But he's going to always give us the ability to overcome it. We need to understand that God gives us the power in his word. We need to understand that when we overcome, Satan's going to flee. But he's always going to be looking to come back. I love it that Jesus went through trials and temptations because it shows me that I can do the same. I may not always be as successful as Jesus. But when I falter, when I fail, you know where Jesus is? He's there to pick me up. You know how I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. If we walk in the light, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus plays the trail for us to follow, and I love Him for it. I'm so thankful for the for the temptation that he went through so that he could sympathize with me and my weaknesses. Can you, can you see that in your life? Can you, uh, can you see where, where the power of God is working in your life to help you to overcome temptation? If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with temptation, let's, let's work on it together. Use, use your brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you and to strengthen you to help you overcome. We can pray together. We can study together. We can find those verses that you're wrestling with and we can help write them into our hearts. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> there's, I can say this with, with some certainty. There may be somebody who in here comes up with something that I've never struggled with before. But I can almost guarantee you that somebody in here has struggled with it before. And we can help each other. That's what the body of Christ was 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 created for. That's what it was instituted for, was to help us to get to heaven. We can help you do that today. I want to encourage you. If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to understand it is written. Jesus said these words in, in Mark chapter 16. In verse 15, he says, You go into all the world and you preach the good news, the gospel, 
to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are red letters. And so as we think about that, we, we compare that to ourselves and we ask the question, have I obeyed the gospel? Do I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? In believing that He is the Son of God, am I willing to obey His commands? Jesus says that we've got to repent of our sins. He said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Luke chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 5. He tells us that we've got to confess Him before mankind. He says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father who's in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And he tells us that we've got to be washed in the water for the remission of our sins. You remember he told his apostles before he ascended. He said, I want you to go and I want you to preach the good news. He says, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name. And they told them that, he, that when they preached that gospel, that those who believe it and are baptized will be saved. We can help you obey the gospel today. We want to do it. We can help you overcome a sin or a struggle in your life, we want to do it. If we can celebrate with you on something that you, uh, that you had to celebrate, let's, let's do that. Well, don't leave here today with any doubts in your mind that you're going to heaven. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.